Hello, friends, and welcome to Men Do Disney, episode number 47. That's a wrap. My name is Pete, and joining me tonight are Matt. What's up, everybody? And Tom. How are you doing? We're three guys who want to help you make the most of your Disney World vacation, as well as to bring some of that Disney magic into your life every day. So put on your favorite pair of Mickey ears, lower your safety harness, remain seated until the ride has come to a complete stop, and men, let's do Disney. So Tiger fell, Tiger fell short again, huh? You know what, Pete? Way to pour salt in the open. I just feel like we should get that out in the open. Well, if, if we're just trying to bash each other here, yes, Tiger fell short, and yes, the great movie ride still closed. So I hope you enjoy Hollywood Studios. Well, I think that we're going to have a great a great episode tonight because we're going to talk about the great movie ride because Pete picked the topic. Shocker. That was, that was a very apropos comment, Tom, because yeah, That's a Wrap is in fact referring to the great movie ride. So this is going to be, I think, my favorite episode so far of the podcast. I'm shocked Shocker. it took, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm actually shocked it yeah, took 47 episodes to get here. To give, to give our listeners some, some background, we received a text this morning that the outline was done and we would be, well, he didn't explain we'd be discussing the great movie ride. He just continually sent a picture of a great movie ride, Tervis, to the group. I was shocked. I, didn't, I, didn't, I, mean, I want to say I'm shocked. I've said shocked too many times tonight, but I didn't know what he was he was getting at when he kept sending that Tervis. Love the great movie ride. So we're going to talk about the great movie ride tonight. This is a Disney lost legend. It's I think it's very important for us to document this. We're actually close to a year since the great movie ride has closed. And it's still closed. We, about a month away, yeah. Less than a month yeah. away. Yep. About two weeks away. So before we get into that, though, let's go to Tom with the news. Tom, what do we got news-wise this week? Not a ton. Uh, I'll start out by telling you that. going to start with Magic Kingdom, and then we're going to hit Animal Kingdom, and that's it from a news standpoint, uh, unless the guys have something else to share. But starting with Magic Kingdom, uh, Liberty Square Riverboat refurbishment has been extended. As you all know, the Liberty Square Riverboat was supposed to reopen to guests this month. Uh, this refurbishment has been extended until early fall. It looks like the riverboat party ice cream, social and parade viewing upcharge experience will not be returning to the park as well when this attraction reopens later this year. Is that the Princess and the Frog? Uh, uh, Tiana's riverboat Tiana. party. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's something like that. And when I was at Disney World a couple weeks ago, a, a, a week ago, wow, I realized that it was, was not there. <laughs> and I said, well, I've not seen the riverboat one time today. Moving over to Animal Kingdom, looks like they are Restaurantosaurus is testing a new evening lounge concept beginning this upcoming weekend. A section of Restaurantosaurus. Restaurant, say that three times fast. Right, I, I'm struggling to say it again. Restaurantosaurus will be roped off and turned into a lounge serving light bites and themed beverages. The new lounge will open daily at 5 p.m. for the next few weeks. There's no there's no timetable for how long this could last. I don't really know why Disney's doing this, but I don't maybe. know. But I I love Restaurantosaurus. I always end up eating there at Animal Kingdom. Do you? I mean, do you do you understand the light bites and themed beverages? Maybe they're thinking people need a, a snack spot in between, maybe dinner reservations or. Yeah, if you think about Animal Kingdom, there's no bars. You think about Hollywood Studios. You've got what's that bar by the fifties uh, diner. Oh, I, I thought you were talking about the, the new bar that just opened. Oh, uh, you're talking about right by, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Dadgummit. What's it called, Pete? I can't remember what it's called, but you've got that bar there. You've got, I mean, Epcot has got countless number of places where you can get a drink and, and kind of top us or light bites. Maybe they're just thinking animal kingdom doesn't have this and they need to put it in there. Well, you're getting a whole lot of traffic in animal kingdom now. So not a bad idea. I'm trying to look up the bar name now. 
but they definitely just opened uh, at least in, in Hollywood Studios. Oh, Grand Avenue, the uh, beer, the beer place right there. Right. I'm thinking of the Tune In Lounge. It's at the yeah Tune In Lounge is what is it? What it is? That's what I was thinking about. It's at fifties. It's at fifties Primetime Cafe. Yeah, right there. Maybe maybe they are trying to, to replicate that and, and offer that at, at Animal Kingdom as well. Not sure, though. It, this, this news kind of surprised me. Staying in Animal Kingdom, uh, Pizza Fari is going to be trying a family-style service later this month. Uh, it looks like starting July 31st, Pizza Fari will add a new family-style option to the restaurant, which will allow guests to make reservations ahead of time, place your drink orders at the counter, and have your food delivered to, uh, to, to you and your family at a special seating area. Guests will then be able to enjoy their choice, choice of two appetizers which uh, is basically two different salads, choice of three entrees, it's pasta, chicken, and pizza, and a dessert. All will be served family style. It looks like this offering will be between 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. daily. It'll be about $19.99 for guests 10 and older, which is an adult in Disney World, and then $11.99 for guests between 3 and 9. 3 and nine. Yeah, and that'll, that's including tax and non-alcoholic beverages. I actually like this change. I think they'll have a lot of traffic here. It, it's quick. It's a great place to take a family, especially with kids. So I think this is a, a going to be a good change to Animal Kingdom. I think Disney needs more family style restaurants. What's what's the one at Magic Kingdom? Liberty, Liberty Tree. Yeah, Liberty Tree Tavern. I like Liberty Tree. I mean, the food's not the best in the world, but it's you know you get a lot of it. It's really easy. Oh, it's perfect for families. I think it's like the best place for a family to go eat. Well. Outside like Crystal Palace and Magic Kingdom, but I do think that's a great, great place for families to eat. Now, this next piece of news, and it's actually our last piece of news for this week. I, I'm going to be honest ahead of time. I'm probably going to turn some listeners off with how I offer my opinion on this. The Rivers of Light show in Animal Kingdom is getting a dessert party. And there's two things that, well, there's at least one thing we've been stepped up. We're not big dessert party fans. And I am not a big Rivers of Light fan. I don't know people, anyone who is a big Rivers of Light fan. So this is probably going to be a massive flop, in my opinion. Looks like they're going to do a dessert party that will be scheduled. It'll be very similar to the Happily Ever After. The Illuminations or Phantasmic Dessert Party. This will uh, begin on Monday, August 6th. And it'll be on select nights. You know, Similar to other dessert parties, it'll be an hour-long dessert party that includes several treats themed to the show, as well as alcoholic and non-alcoholic drinks. The party will be held at the Rivers of Light Asia Viewing Area Terrace, which is uh, it's pretty close to Expedition Everest. It'll include special viewing for the show as well. Looks like the cost is $79 for adults and $47 for children, including tax. Holy, $79? That's, that's crazy. But, but you guys heard the alcoholic beverage portion of it. Yeah, but $79? I mean, how much can you how much can you eat and drink? Yeah, that has Disney Dad written all over it. That's just an outlet. I, but but you think about Disney After Hours, hundred and twenty person roughly. Yeah, I mean, would you pay almost as much for a dessert party and watch Rivers of Light as you would for Disney After Hours at Magic Kingdom? No, I wouldn't watch Rivers of Light. Period. There's the hot take from Tom. Uh, it's I, it's not a good show. It's I, not a good show. I'll I'll get on board with that. It's just not. There's there are better there are better shows in in Disney World. All right, so take that out. Let's go outside the box here. What would you do for Spectrum Magic in this type of setting? Yeah, if it's a good show, yeah, that's, I'll, that's I'll absolutely going. pay. Okay. No, I, I I'm sorry, I don't get behind dessert parties. But but you would pay but you would pay that much for a Fantasmic dining package. 
right? I mean, you would pay that much for dinner and and essentially, to to yes, I do. And you do. So I mean, it's the same concept. Yeah, exact same. I I don't know. I my opinion is pretty consistent on dessert parties in general. I think it's different when you're eating at like a Mamma Mia, you know, a Hollywood Empire, a Brown Derby. I think that's and you're getting a real dinner. You're still getting the dessert included. I, I just Melrose's. I can only eat so many sweets. Mama Melrose's. What did I say? Mama Mia. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I was uh, I've seen a lot of commercials for the movie. That's what I'm going to blame it on. There you go. Did I? I said I cannot believe I said Mama Mia's. <laughs> I let it go because you just kept going. You just kept talking. Yeah, you never stopped. You just listen. It's been it's been a long weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You had a milestone weekend. I get it. But anyway, did want to share the piece of news that the dessert party is coming. Again, the start date is Monday, August 6th, and it'll be on select nights. Uh, again, you're going to have to make a reservation for this, similar to any of the dessert parties. And again, the cost 79 for adults, 47 for children, and that number does include tax. All right. Okay. Cool. Anybody have anything else? I've got one other piece of news that I just saw. Disney's been installing new touch point, fast pass touch points around the parks, and they're not that much different. You know how the the fast pass touch points have been kind of bulged out? These are flat. So they're just like what's at Pandora and Toy Story Land. Okay. Probably a change is going to take take place everywhere. I would assume so, but so not really different, but a little bit different. You guys been paying attention to to wait times at all with Toy Story Land and I haven't really been looking. I haven't looked at all. I think order has been restored in Disney World for for what it's worth. You think so? Yeah, I I, I I've watched a ton of ride videos. Again, I didn't go to Hollywood Studios last weekend. Looks great. A lot of people have liked the swirling saucers more than the Slinky Dog. Well, dash. they look really cool. I've watched a couple of videos now on YouTube, and I've seen some folks that have gone, and it's completely different than I envisioned it. I think it's it looks really neat. Here's one of the interesting theming points I think Disney did. This is my assumption, at least. For swirling saucers, when the ride is not active, there's no music that's played. So you're sitting in your ride vehicle, it's dead silent. And when the ride goes active, that would almost be like someone putting change in the machine to play the claw game. So the mm-hmm. music plays. That Now, I've heard it's kind of weird because you're sitting in there and you hear nothing. It's just dead silent. And then all of a sudden the ride starts and you hear the music. But think about that. At every other Disney attraction, there's always kind of some kind of background music at least. So right now, Slinky Dog Dash is closed. Uh, Swirling Saucers has a 30-minute wait and Midway Mania has a 40-minute wait. That's pretty about what I would expect it to be after hearing, you know, knowing what the attractions would be and kind of understanding prior to it opening that, hey, Toy Story Mania is still the, the big ticket item here. Yep. And conversely, you know, you look at uh, you look at Animal Kingdom right now, we've got a 120-minute wait for Flight of Passage and a 50-minute wait for Navi River Journey. Man, people are wasting 50 minutes of their time in the park. I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> well, that actually, that's funny because one thing is I want to talk about before we go to our main, our main subject tonight, our main topic. Um, I saw someone post on Twitter today their itinerary for Disney, what it used to look like before the app came out. And I know you guys are just looking at the app. I'm looking up this right now. It says, Wednesday the 18th, wake up, get ready, eat breakfast, 6.40, head out to the bus stop. 7 a.m., arrive at Epcot, and then it says, um, I mean, there's 17 different things on here, but um, it's just kind of funny to look at, like, I remember making these. I remember, like, having an agenda, and my parents would just say, hey, you know, what do you want to do? It's your trip. And I think it's kind of cool to look back on that kind of thing, is now, like, you'd never see somebody with paper in the park. You just look on your phone. Well, and how many of those items were 
run to the test track fast pass station with everybody's card and get fast passes for everybody while, while one person waits in the line at while uh, one person waits in the line. space because well, it wouldn't mm-hmm. have been soaring you know there there's something at 9 a.m that says arrive at magic kingdom walk in parentheses quickly through cinderella's castle I, for half <laughs> second pete i thought this was your itinerary it, it's definitely interesting and and i you know again i know we're getting a little off the beaten path here but that's okay because it's our podcast. We can do it. Uh, you know, while I was um while I was at Disney World last week, I noticed just sitting in a queue. Actually, I was sitting in in the queue for um, Mickey's PhilharMagic. I think every adult was, were on their phone because they were planning fast passes and looking at their plan. It's it's just it's totally it, it's you know those those little charge stations. Disney's making their money on those. I'll tell you what. You think back to ten years ago when nobody had cell phones and people actually had to talk to each other in the line. What did we do back then? We talked. We. <laughs> We played games. I mean, we, we played games that we'd bring into the park. But, you know, I see a lot of heads up being played now in Disney World. Disney on our heads last up. Trip. I've seen that. We played Disney heads up in, in the queue for Test Track. We went in single rider, single rider line, and it really wasn't a long queue. But, you know, we played a few rounds, and was, you well, see a lot of people doing that. Well, when I, when I was a kid, it was like looking in your autograph book, like what characters have you got, who are you looking for? Um, mm-hmm. A lot mm-hmm. of – we used to play a Disney trivia game where – I'm going to describe a Disney character in three descriptions here, and then you're going to figure out who I'm talking about. Like, we do that the entire... I remember vividly doing that at Space Mountain. Anyway, here's what's funny. I'm looking at this itinerary, and this is why I think it's it's Pete. 10, 10 a.m., Jungle Cruise. Fast Pass, if available. 10.22, Magic Carpets of Aladdin. 10.52, <laughs> Enchanted Tiki Birds. 11.32 a.m., Pirates of the Caribbean. That's that's crazy, and and you know you couldn't you can't do that now because you have to adapt so much on the fly. No, you can't do it I anymore. Agree. And it, it it was fun. I appreciated that post, and you know, and I'm gonna give a shout out to um to Aaron Wallace um at Aaron Wallace. He tweeted that eight hours ago. So if you're a listener, man, we enjoyed it. Thank you for sharing. And and while we're here on the Twitter note, we can all give Matt a round of applause. He has really really amped up our Twitter game here in in the past week or so. And I, it, it seems like the interaction has is, is been well-received from our listeners and our followers. So we appreciate it. We do enjoy hearing from you guys. And, and Matt's really enjoying getting on the Twitter. We're always looking for questions for another listener-supported episode. So so send send your Disney questions in, too. We'll be, we'll be glad to pick them up on air and answer them. Guys, I check that Twitter every so often, you know, a couple times an hour. So I love to reach out to you. <laughs> I love talking to you guys. A couple guys. times an hour. <laughs> I love talking to you guys, and I've had a lot of fun connecting with y'all. So, um, you know, please, please, please reach out and you know subscribe and and watch like some of our Disney vloggers that we're friends with. Listen to all the podcasts that you know I, I retweet because we're all just trying to get a little extra magic in our lives. All right, well, good. Well, let's uh, pause for just a minute to hear from our sponsor, Destinations with Character, before we move into our main topic. Destinations with Character Travel Agency is your one-stop shop for Disney vacations, cruises, and more. With clients ranging from the magic makers of Hollywood to the business executives of New York to families from all over the U.S., people trust the travel consultants of Destinations with Character to make their magical dreams a reality with the patience, care, and attention to detail they deserve. With over 50 years of experience in Disney and worldwide travel, are over 30 travel consultants trained to give the best prices and service possible. Destinations with Character has the tools to make the difference for you. Find out how to take the stress and hassle out of your vacation. Simply contact them to let the magic begin. Destinations with Character Travel, making dream vacations come true every single day. Visit their website at www.destinationswithcharacter.com or email them at info at destinationswithcharacter.com and be sure to tell them that the Mendo WDW podcast sent you. 
All right, guys, and now we come to the part of the podcast that I've been waiting almost a year for. We're going to talk. Let's talk about the great movie ride. Don't we talk about that every week? Should we just back out and let you just, just solo this this uh, remainder of the episode? No, 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 no. I, I, I'd, I'd like to get y'all's input on on some of this stuff before we get into the actual ride because I want to walk through the ride. I think I think it's important to document the ride for posterity because. Again, we're we're coming up against the year anniversary of this ride shutting down. Can we bury this podcast recording in a in a time capsule? I think we should. I think that's and, what and in like twenty for. years. I think I think on this date for the next five years, Peach is we're not gonna record this week. Peach is gonna play this podcast. Hey, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. So great movie ride. R.I.P. May 1st, 1989 to August 13th, 2017, first off. So what was the Great Movie Ride? The Great Movie Ride was a dark ride. Obviously, we walked through a bunch of classic movie scenes, 12 of them to be exact. If you guys have been to Hollywood Studios, you've seen the building that the Great Movie Ride was in. It's a replica of the Chinese Theater in Los Angeles. One, one distinct difference. You've got some handprints from some pretty big Disney folks in front of it. Yeah, no, you're right. They're the Disney characters. I mean, pretty much everybody, Mickey, Minnie, Goofy, Donald, every all the Disney characters put their handprints in the uh, in the cement in front of the in front of the Chinese theater on opening day. And and I want to point out the way you mentioned the Chinese theater, because that was important that, that Disney referred to it as a Chinese theater. Yeah, because it's a replica of, of Grauman's Chinese theater. And Disney was actually denied the rights to use the Grauman's name. And it, it actually was man's Chinese theater at the time that it was built. But anyway, so a little bit of history on the great movie ride. I kind of knew this in the back of my head, but this was actually planned to be at Epcot. This was planned to be part of a pavilion dedicated to show business in the movie industry at Epcot. And Marty Sklar and Randy Bright were working on this. And Michael Eisner came in and said, Hey, why don't we, why don't we turn this into a theme park? He liked the idea. He wanted to expand on the idea. As you were saying, it should have been an Epcot. I was going to follow up and ask you because I didn't know that. I was going to ask because Hollywood Studios wouldn't have been open yet. No, no, no. Hollywood Studios wasn't open yet. So well, this MG, was the, it was MGM. It would have been right. This is the reason that MGM Studios came about was because they were working on this ride for a pavilion at Epcot and they just kind of expanded it into a full theme park. And, the, you know, the, obviously the idea was, hey, we're going to have a working movie studio at a theme park. And obviously we've kind of gone away from that as the years have progressed. There was some contention between MGM and Disney on that on that point that Disney was operating a working studio. But anyway. But that's, that's pretty cool. I think that's why like people need to understand why you're so passionate about this ride. Because, you know, you're a big movie buff yourself, but also like knowing the history of this ride is why we have Disney Hollywood Studios. That's really cool, Pete. Yeah, could we Absolutely. say that we wouldn't have MGM now Hollywood Studios without the Great Movie Ride? Uh, no, I would. I, I would say so. I would say so because it it did. The idea got expanded, and and again, Hollywood Studios started off. And this is kind of way off topic, but Hollywood Studios started off as this idealized version of 1920s, 1930s Hollywood, right? You had all the back lots, you know, you had the little shops, you had all the scenery like like 1920s, 1930s Hollywood. I mean, even the Hollywood Brown Derby is part of that. Well, for a long time, people don't realize this, but there were actually movies and TV shows filmed at Hollywood Studios that really was, you know, exactly what you just said. It was a, a movie lot. Yep, yep. So and, and and obviously as we've as we've moved along, 
we're we're moving away from that. You know, we've got Rock and Roller Coaster there now. We've got Toy Story Land there now. We've got Tower of Terror there. We're getting Galaxy's Edge. So we've moved away from that idealized version of 1920s, 1930s Hollywood. But but yeah, that was the original the original plan for the park was again like like Future World at Epcot is an idealized version of the future. Like Tomorrowland at Disney is kind of what they thought the future would be like in the 80s. Hollywood Studios or MGM Studios was meant to be a representation of 1920s, 1930s Disney. Or excuse me, 1920s, 1930s Hollywood. Well, that's, that sounds more easily attainable. It's always easier to look in the past than the future. You know, I, I agree 100%. I think that's, I, and again, it's an episode and topic for another day, but I think it's difficult to have your Tomorrowland and your future world because it's ever-evolving. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. one thing I want to point out as we're moving through, taking taking our listeners to to the Great Movie Ride, the queue was one of my favorite parts of this attraction actually. And I know Disney has done a ton, and they're very innovative with uh, with their queues, and they're very immersive. But this one had a lot of interesting items throughout it that that uh, if you were a movie buff at all, you would love seeing. When it was a simple queue, right? Very much so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can remember seeing. The ruby slippers from Wizard of Oz there. Oh, the horses from the carousel in Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, that's, that was And it. then they always Absolutely. had rotating rotating movie posters in there, too, from whatever whatever movie posters. Mostly Disney movies, obviously. But during the MGM days, there were movie posters in there from, from whatever was coming out. You had movie props as well that, that rotated in and out. You know, mm-hmm. you had your, 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 your ones that stayed. And, and one of the – what Matt just alluded to with – with Mary Poppins, that one never, that one never, never moved. went away. All right, so you went through the props, you wound your way through the props, and you ended up in a giant theater. And and this is where, to me, I don't ever remember really waiting outside of this theater. This is kind of where the queue really backed up, and everybody waited. It was in this giant theater, lots of zigzags back and forth, waiting, waiting to actually get on the ride. I think that proves your geniusness, if that's a word. When it's you're navigating not. a theme park, because there are times when that's a 40 minute wait and the line does go outdoors. Now you may be never waited in the line when it was out, out the door. When it was out the door, we, we found something else to do. Like I'd rather go wait, you mm-hmm. know, tower of terror or rock and roller coaster. Now, now Pete, to your point, you know, walking through that theater, did you ever stay in there long enough to loop back to see a movie you had seen from the start or a little, no, a video I don't, clip? I, I don't think so. I think that that was a pretty long loop. You know, I, I was, uh, at my age, I didn't know many of the things being shown, but it seemed like a lot of the adults especially enjoyed that, that portion of the queue. Well, it was the perfect setup for the ride. I mean, they really knocked this one out of the park. I mean, I'd, I'd love to know, guys, if you guys, you know, our listeners, if y'all know how long that loop was of the videos we're talking about in the previews, like, give us a shout, send it to me on Twitter. But yeah, Tom, you're right. I don't think I ever saw the same same preview twice. But that, that set up the ride perfectly. So let's talk about the ride. All right. Well, yeah. So let's let's move into the ride. And so you you got to the end of this theater. You went through the automatic doors, and you enter basically a 1920s 1930s Hollywood soundstage. Tons of neon lights everywhere. Huge marquee, and and you get into these cars, pretty much like what was on Ellen's Energy Adventure. Yes. Very similar. And, yep. But you feel like you're walking in or you're riding into the movies. Like they did a very good job of being in like a movie theater setting and entering the movies. Yeah, because it felt like you were kind of in theater seating, right? But it wasn't because these cars weren't as big as El- the ones that on Ellen's Energy Adventure. 
but you did. You felt like you were kind of in theater seating. You went through this giant marquee. They started playing Hooray for Hollywood. And, and you entered the ride. And and so the, the first thing you saw, a bunch of really quick hits. First thing you went into was was the musicals. So I guess the first thing was the the giant cake from Footlight Parade. And for some reason, I always thought the first thing was Singing in the Rain. So I'm, I think that's what hits you. I think it's the second one. But Singing in the Rain always hit me too. Singing in the Rain is the second one. The first one is it's on the right side. It was on the right side as you go in there. And this is one of the very few changes that happened to the Great Movie Ride over the years. It used to be a big cake that spun around. There used to be water fountains shooting all over the place. Like 20 animatronic dancers dancing on this giant cake. The problem was that the cake would break down all the time. The water pumps would would stop up and would flood the track and they'd have to shut the ride down. So they eventually just put a big scrim over it, painted some big snowflakes on it, and called it a day. It didn't move. And again, this is a very quick kind of scene. You don't really see much of it, and then boom, on the left-hand side, you're into singing in the rain. I mean, I can still hear the music, though, from the first, the very first scene you saw. Like, this is taking me back, dude. I appreciate you letting this be our episode tonight. I'm, I'm now that you described the cake, I do know exactly what you're talking about. And I actually, I pulled up a ride video just to make sure I remembered it. <laughs> but I think with, with maybe most people, the singing in the rain song, which I'm not going to try and replicate for our listeners, is what people they register that they know the song. Obviously, they know Gene Kelly. So. Yeah, and he's he's standing on a lamppost singing singing in yep. the rain. Yep. So after that, you move right into Mary Poppins, and this is where to me the this is where the attraction heats up, and the, Mary Poppins is is by far one of the best scenes in this attraction. Obviously, with anyone at Disney World, you would think for the most part they're going to, they're going to click with this one. Mm-hmm. Gosh, you're you're making me miss this attraction. <laughs> so you've got a Mary Poppins animatronic and a Dick Van Dyke animatronic. They're singing "Chim Chimney, Chim Chimney, Chim Chim Cheru." You know, you've got the London skyline. You've got chimney sweeps working exactly. all over you the place. The ch- exactly. And then you pass under that, and. It gets noticeably darker. It gets noticeably more run down because you are in 1920 Chicago and this is public enemy. This is the gangster scene. And this is one of the, this is the part of the ride that we're going to get to. And we've talked about it, but this is when I used to get scared as a child. Like Disney did a ride. This is, this is so genius. Yeah. I, I, I used to legitimately, you know, be scared and I, I've done the ride a million times, but I didn't know every time I wrote it if we were going to get out of there or not. And that's the fun part. So you run in here, and again, it's run-down Chicago. There's broken windows. There's burnt-out lights. I mean, it looks like what you would expect from a from a gangster movie. You hear gangsters talking as you ride in. And, and this is where the ride kind of forks, right? Because there, at the end of this room, there is a stoplight. And it's either green or red. If it's green, you go on through to the next room. If it's red, you stop. You know, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Pete, but I feel like at one point your only option was the red light. And they later added the green light, which would fork the fork your attraction or your experience. Both of these were present on opening day. You like you did have the green light and red light on opening day. They only operate both the scenes that we're gonna get to when it's really busy. So okay. if it's if it's not busy, it this is the only one that, that happens. If it okay. is busy, then they split and, and the other scene happens, but but yeah, so you get stuck at the red light. 
what happens? Oh, well, there's gunshots, there's violence, there's somebody that's not your tour guide that takes over the ride. This becomes where you're you're in a room with animatronics, and then there's a live person standing up your tour guide, who is driving your vehicle, to basically s- steal the car and steal all the you know all the the riders. And and how fantastic was this the first time you saw this where? You know, you're surrounded by all these animatronics having a shootout, and all of a sudden, here comes a real person taking over your ride vehicle, holding up your tour guide, forcing them out of the vehicle, and basically kidnapping you. Guys, I vividly remember being on the very first row, like, with the guy that just overtook our ride vehicle. And, like, not even, like, I remember, like, being so scared that I was like, I didn't want to look at him. Like, they did such a good job. You know, this, this is one, two things I want to point out here, and, and Matt, you hit on it. You often see kids sitting right next to the gangster. For We're going to use this scene for now. And as a child, that is, is kind of a traumatizing, fun, scary experience. And two, and maybe we should have hit on it prior to this, but the Great Movie Ride has a lot, had a lot of narration by the actual tour guide. And it, it went away as the years went on and, and rights to how they were going to describe things. But the gangster has, you know, his lines and his or her, his or her lines. And the commentary they add is a, a great spin on the, on the attraction. Oh, as you get older, mm-hmm. you really enjoy the gangster part of it. Or, mm-hmm. or the next scene that I think Pete was alluding to earlier. Yeah, so we have a shootout. Muggsy kidnaps your ride vehicle have a shootout with the coppers. And and what's funny is your your tour guide, if you get stopped at this red light, your tour guide kind of says, hey, you know, we can't run a red light. Well, the gangster gets in the car and actually shoots out the red light. So it, it goes out. So you can then proceed to the next room. That's a great, that's a great little detail that I'd forgotten. But he did, you're it sitting is. there thinking, we can run this red light. <laughs> we can get out of here. So you then move into the Western scene. And, and pretty much the first thing you see to your left as you come into this room is... Clint Eastwood as the man with no name from Fistful of Dollars, Few Dollars More, and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And and it's your quintessential Western scene. Mm-hmm. This was actually Sitting my favorite horse. scene. I enjoyed the Western more than I enjoyed the gangster, probably because I did the gangster way more than I did the Western scene. Yep. So if you've if you've been hijacked already, if if you have a gangster driving your tram at this point, you pretty much just go right through this uh, this scene. Now, if you have not been hijacked already, and, and if the ride is busy, you stop here, and there's a bank, and guess what? The bank's getting robbed. Out comes either Kate Durango or Kid Carson, and guess what? They take over your ride vehicle as a getaway car, and they have a shootout with the sheriff. So, spoiler alert. There's no scenario where you are not going to be hijacked on this attraction. <laughs> yeah, you're getting hijacked either way. And again, th- this was genius. And I think this was the, fir- the first time I ever rode on this ride. I don't think we got hijacked in the gangster scene. I think we got hijacked here. And it was incredible. Like, who, who thinks of this? You know, I always favored the gangster scene to be hijacked because more commentary from the hijacker was better for me. I thought it was a more fun experience. Not to say that, you know, any knock on the Western scene, because a little bit different, but it's, you know, the same premise. And, and you're sitting there realizing, oh my gosh, especially as a kid, what's about to happen to us? You know, everything's so real. Uh, and and the, the cast members at Disney World are great in this role. Yeah, and it takes a special cast member to, to play these roles. 
This is the first time I saw a lot of like the famous movies of all time. I, I didn't see the actual film. I saw Clint Eastwood in this scene that you're talking about. And I was like, all right, well, if we got Clint Eastwood, like we're, we're Gucci. We're good. Like We're going to get through this, which is fun, I think. Now, alluding out that almost nice segue there, talking about some of the movies. As you proceed past the Western, regardless, you've been hijacked at this point. You go into what I thought was an incredibly well-themed alien and it was scary. You kind of went through a... It's dark. Like yep. a starry tunnel. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're in... And, and you can almost... If you've seen Alien before, you can kind of tell based on what the computer screens look like, based on just what the ship looks like. You can kind of tell exactly where you are. Yeah. And mm-hmm. at the same point, like this is one of the movies, like I'm going to go and tell our listeners, I've never seen Alien. And I will never watch Alien because this ride scarred me for life. Well, you know, I think one of the better things that th- this scene does is... is they do tell your passengers to remain in the vehicles and proceed with caution. And then you hear the sirens. Yeah. So you, you actually hear a voice because you're whoever's hijacked you at this point says, where are we? And a voice says you're, you are an alien and they tell you proceed with caution because it's extremely dangerous. So your tour guide kind of speeds up and that's when the computer chimes in red lights start flashing and they tell you the self-destruct's been activated. So uh, there you go. And, And then you drive past, Sigourney Weaver, who is kind of got her back to a wall, I guess, hiding with a flamethrower, looking for the alien. Yep, I was going to say, yeah, exactly. There's definitely a flamethrower present there. I believe at this point, the driver, regardless of it being the gangster or bandit, get nervous and they actually speed your vehicle up to to Mm -hmm. kind of get you out of there. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the best pop-out scenes is in Alien uh, uh, with this attraction. And that's when overhead, and it's... It's better if you're in like the middle, maybe to the front rather than the end of, of your ride vehicle because an alien comes and pops out from, well, used to pop out overhead and it's illuminated by strobe lights and there's a ton of mist and smoke that goes on you and it's and, and it's really good if you're first time rider right there when it pops out because it's right above you. Yeah, because if you're in the back, you see it a couple times. Mm-hmm. You see it pop out well before you get under it. Actually, being in the back was like honestly the best thing that ever happened to me because I realized like it's not going to get me. Like I watched it go a couple times, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, we're we're okay, we're okay. You know, as as you speed out of here, my favorite scene. Oh yeah, which, I think this is easily the best scene in the entire ride. Is is Indiana Jones? I think it's the most dynamic it, scene. You know, it really goes well with Hollywood Studios because you do have the live action Indiana Jones performance in the theme park. But this is this is where your ride takes another turn. Tell me, how many turns do we have? We've got a lot of turns. We've got a few. A lot of turns. So you go in, you see Indiana Jones trying to carry the Ark of the Covenant out of the temple that you're in. Ton of snakes all over the place. Of course, snakes. Indiana Jones hates snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Yeah, your tour guide, whoever it is at that time, the bandit or the cowboy, they also don't like snakes. Shocking. But then you get into the second room of this temple and that's where that's where the magic happens so you you go in you see a big jewel at at the top of the stairs and your your tour guide at that point says uh they they want this jewel keep in mind you're not your tour guide's not a good person they've hijacked a an entire vehicle full of innocent bystanders so yeah so yeah so they they go up and they try to get this jewel there it's that it's guarded by some kind of temple guardian who actually tells them, hey, stop, this jewel's cursed. You probably don't want to do this. But they, they but proceed. they're criminals. They... <laughs> <laughs> so they proceed. They, they touch the jewel. Bunch of smoke billows up. 
And boom, they're a skeleton. Now, shocking tw twist, which I don't know. This really did it for me. I'm about to tear up thinking about this. The uh, Temple Guardian whips off their cloak, and guess what? It's the initial tour, gu tour guide you started with. No way. He way. or she has saved you from the saved hijacker. The this was so cool to me. As a kid, I was just kind of thinking, well, how in the world did they get here? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is where the where the attraction really one you have a lot of the great scenes left in this attraction because it, it was a long long attraction and this is probably mm -hmm. going to be a long episode but this is where it really takes back off for you one as a kid you feel safe but then two it's it's just Disney it's the Disney difference the Disney touch however you want to describe it so you leave this room you go through a really really brief temple scene with a bunch of mummies in there some of them are moving they're very scary i don't remember it i don't remember it that that well though this one didn't do much for me it didn't really scare me it was it was so brief of a scene that it was kind of like mm, okay yeah mummies you know we get it yep so then you move into the jungle scene and you've got Tarzan. jane jane riding on the elephant up to your left and then to your right here comes tarzan doing his distinctive yell swinging back and forth on a vine this is a this is a really 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 well themed scene, and everyone pretty much registers with what they're trying to depict uh, in this in this portion of the attraction. And he is right; the iconic yell is there. So after this, you move into what Casablanca? Yes. Yep. Is this is this where you have half of the half of the plane? Yeah. Can I give a little tidbit before we dive into it? Do it. So you have half you have half of a plane in Casablanca, and it's trying to describe one of the scenes in the movie. Uh, Ingrid Bergman and Humphrey Bogart are your animatronics in front of you, and it's the "Here's looking at you, kid" speech. Now Disney is very resourceful. The back half of that plane is actually found in the Magic Kingdom at Jungle Cruise, where they describe you know your plane crashing. So I always, once I learned that secret, rode the great movie ride. And then, so you know, followed up with riding, you know, the next day riding the Jungle Cruise. Thought that was pretty cool that it was the same same plane used. But anyway, mm -hmm. proceed on with your attraction here, Pete. Casablanca, and then you kind of went into that tunnel at this point where you had the Sorcerer's Apprentice, and it was just a little snippet of the uh, of the cartoon playing. You had Mickey kind of making the waves come up on the cliff. mm Hmm. It's to your left, if I remember correctly. It is, yep. And mm -hmm. this is really the only Disney movie representation in this whole in this whole ride, right? Well, you have a lot of movies to the very, very end. I was going to say, you have a couple snippets at the end that maybe would, would overlap but as there. But as far as major scenes go, this is really, this is really it. I mean, mm -hmm. you're talking right now, I can hear the music in the background. Like, I... I feel like I'm in that scene. You know, and this is another one that goes well with, with Hollywood Studios, MGM, it, you know, whenever you went and did this attraction due to the, you know, due to having Fantasmic there. Well, not only that, you had the Sorcerer's Hat there for how long? Years. Exactly. That was Before the mainstay right there in front of the down. Chinese Theater. Yep, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I would argue this next scene in The Great Movie Ride, if you if you pulled a group of folks, this is by far the best theme. This is the best scene. This is Super memorable. This, there's no one that goes in here that doesn't walk out saying, man, the Wizard of Oz scene was incredible. Yeah, so you go into Munchkin Land, and it is identical to the movie. Yeah, yeah, you're there. It's, you know, the animatronics, they do look very lifelike, but this one especially, I always thought they were real, looking through their windows of their little homes and walking around and the witch. and 
Yeah, so they so you go in there, they're singing Ding Dong the Witch is Dead, Welcome You to Munchkin Land. You kind of get to the end of the room and and this is a huge room. It's it's multiple multiple stories tall. It has tons of houses everywhere. I mean, this looks like Munchkin Land to me. You get to the end. Obviously, if you've seen The Wizard of Oz, you know what happens right in the middle of the song, the wicked witch appears. And this was the second. So, and I didn't mention this at the beginning of the episode. There have only been two major renovations to this ride, or there were only two major renovations to this ride since it opened. The first was the cake at the beginning. This is the second. It was the Wicked Witch animatronic. And I'm pretty sure, and I'm not 100% here, but I'm pretty sure that this was the most advanced animatronic that Disney had until they put the shaman in at Navi River Journey, was the Wicked Witch. This this entire scene, because it's such a memorable movie, it it just sticks out. And and as you move through it, you know, you do pause. I believe you come to the end of the room. It's like a large brick wall. Maybe at the end, again, you see the witch. But, you know, one of the best parts is when she tells... She's going to bide her time, and she will get you and your little dog, too, and disappears in smoke and fire again. And, of course, the most memorable song maybe of the movie. Well, yeah, your tour guide, your tour guide says, I wonder where we go next. And, of course, the munchkins all say, follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. And so you do. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow, 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 follow the yellow brick road. <laughs> you know, I've been on, I've been on really... I guess with fun groups who sing sing along because they do encourage you to sing along with the song and I've you know you have clapping I've also been on somewhere where there's there's no singing but you you know you pass by Dorothy Toto the Cowardly Lion Scarecrow and Tin Man standing in a poppy field in front of uh, you know the Emerald City and and now you hit the grand finale and this is where I believe Matt has done controversial things Matt Matt so. This is the grand finale. The cars split. They sit next to each other, and you sit through. I think it's a three or four minute. It's great. Movie it's, montage. it's great. So this was actually like I've talked about everything leading up to this part of the show. I love this part only because of Robin Williams. Good morning, Vietnam, and it's actually kind of like you know poetic that we're talking about this right now because the actual person that Robin Williams portrayed passed away this week. You know, like I've always liked Robin Williams. I think that he is a Disney legend. And every time they show him on this part of the ride, I would start a standing ovation. Every single time. I got everybody else to stand and clap. I don't know if you can do that on any other ride in Disney. And you'll never be able to do it again. Well, so Pete mentioned something to me on my last trip. Uh, I actually was fortunate enough to ride the Great Movie Ride one last time prior to its closing, which uh, was in De- I wrote it in December of 2017. If that makes sense, maybe a little, maybe before that. When did it close? We we should know this. August of twenty seventeen. Closed in August of twenty seventeen. So that'd be impossible. I actually wrote it prior to that. However, Pete thought they had taken the Robin Williams scenes out of this final video. Well, they did not. He he remained in the video, and people still appreciated Robin Williams. As we close, Pete, do you have any comments on on Matt's standing ovation? No, well, I mean, I let's didn't, be honest. You you participated. Yes, I didn't you take did. part in it. Everybody did. Okay. I, I Everybody clapped. I think there was a bet. I I think the first time we wrote it, you did it, and everybody applauded. The second time you did it, and everybody applauded. And I think the third time, I said, "No way, this happens third three times, times in a row." And, and sure enough, they they did. So well, as you as you move past this scene, and I, I do think this is a good scene, maybe not the best. You know, I, I would. Well, I think I think we, we, we spent a lot of time on Robin Williams, but like there are so many movies. That are portrayed during this little slot, like it's oh, yeah, hundreds, it's, it's a shame hundreds. To talk about Robin Williams right now, even though he's a living, well, not living legend, 
but a legend nonetheless. But I mean, there's so many movies here that like that was my favorite part, like seeing all those movies combined right then and there. It was fantastic. Now, as you move past this scene, you know, doors open. It's a very dark room you're in. You, you see the light and you head back to the original load area for where you started your started your ride on the great movie ride. And, and this was unique for Disney rides because there's not many Disney rides that have the load and unload area at the same place. One, two, it's unique in that this ride didn't exit into a gift shop, which is very common uh, Disney practice, right? That is a, that's a good point to make. And while we're talking about it, totally off off topic, Space Mountain no longer exits into their gift shop. If you go to Disney World in the next week or so, they have redone the exit there. You said that, and it made me think of, you know, obviously you always have, you hear the Jungle Cruise joke that they talk about, you know, if Disney, you know, could design this, then yeah, they're like, I guarantee you'd end up in a gift shop. But Great Movie Ride was one of those as well, that you, you did not end up in the gift shop and pop back into MGM or Hollywood Studios, depending on the time you were there. So you got back to the load unload area. Last thing you did, you were supposed to give your your guide a round of applause. Mm-hmm. I was with some groups that did. I was with some groups that didn't. It just kind of kind of depended on the group you were with. You know, I'll I'll tell you. Speaking to that exit portion of it, I had been on rides where it's it's similar to the Jungle Cruise in this respect because it is different people doing it. So it's it's always unique. That's one great thing about the Great Movie Ride. Sometimes you had a cast member that really knocked it out of the park for you, and sometimes it was still really good, but it wasn't you know, the best. And I think that maybe reaffirms what Pete's saying here where he talks about, you know, you, sometimes you got a, a really loud round of applause and sometimes you got the courtesy clap and we're, we're ready to get off. I mean, Matt, I can remember the guy, I think it was the last time that we rode the great movie ride, the guy that did it, he was into it. I mean, he was a hundred percent into it and he was fantastic. And I think that's so the you gotta love part, that. man. Like that's what we're missing right now with like the great movie ride going away. You had so many, so many cast members that just like embraced the role, and it made the ride so much better. Yeah, I agree. I think the cast member, both as the gangster, the cowboy scene, or the western scene rather, or your your tour guide, their enthusiasm and how serious they take their their role each day was very much impacted your experience on the attraction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely very similar to Jungle Cruise in that regard. Definitely very, very similar. All right, and that's that's pretty much it for the great movie ride. Again, living legend. Well, sorry, Disney legend, lost legend, not a living legend. Before his time. R.I.P. The great movie ride. Now, <laughs> tell me after tell me after going through that that y'all do not no, miss nah, the great movie ride. I say no, but the answer is yes. I do miss the great movie ride, and I'll be honest. Like, well, Thomas, I'm going to give you a challenge here. The great movie ride is going away, and it has been for a year, but let's put it somewhere else. Let's reimagine this in two minutes or less. Like, where should it go? What movie should it encompass? And let's let's put this somewhere else in Disney, because everybody needs to experience this ride. That's One, that's a loaded question. I don't know that I can reimagine or, or redo this. Let's just put an Epcot. I will tell you I will tell you, Pete, this this walk down memory lane does make me miss it, and it's unfortunate that the last time I rode it, it was actually our Mendu Disney trip, now that I think about it. And I didn't know it would be the last time I'd ride it. So that's, that's I guess, the most unfortunate thing. It was a really, really good attraction. I don't even want to try to reimagine it because it was already done perfectly. And unfortunately... I don't I don't know what you can change, really. Like, I mean, maybe the beginning, maybe some of the musicals, swap in some Disney musicals. But the gangster scene, the Western scene, Alien, Indiana Jones, like all that is just... So instead of reimagining mm-hmm. this, let's just put it somewhere else, right? 
hey, I, I say we build a, a Hollywood pavilion at Epcot and slap it back in there as was the That'd original. How about we just build our own, instead of Hollywood Studios, just a Hollywood studio. And we just, one ride, one attraction only, $10 admission, great <laughs> movie attraction. ride, baby. <laughs> well, I don't think well, that would he, carry, he but would who pay knows? for the entire project. I would definitely pay for it. All right, it. Disney, you got that on record. Pete will definitely pay for it. Mm. You know, I will, a funny joke for my wedding, I did get Pete as his as his gift for, for helping out with the wedding. I, I got him a great movie ride, Tervis, so he can always remember the great movie ride. That's And that's how I know August 13, 2017 is the last and day. That's, that's, that's a wrap right, right there. We have seen 15 times a day. Pete, just send me a picture of that Tervis. Mm-hmm. Sad but true. Anything else on the great movie ride? That's it. You know, I, I was gonna actually, I was gonna try and mix up the roles. I'm gonna throw the secret to you this week because you, you usually throw it to me at this point. So, Pete, if we have nothing left on the great movie ride, do you want to do the secret and then I'll handle the trivia? I will. I will do the secret, and it and it relates to the great movie ride. Shocker. Specifically, the Sorcerer's Apprentice. You don't actually see the sorcerer in the great movie ride, but. The sorcerer's name in the Sorcerer's Apprentice is Yen Sid, which is Disney backwards. Now that's pretty clever. Never actually said, yeah, never actually said in Fantasia or anywhere else really relating to that that I can figure out. But but Disney has come out and said, yeah, the sorcerer's name is Yen Sid. That's a that's definitely a good secret. And as a, as I looked through some show notes and saw. That I made sure it was correct, and and you're right. That was a, that that's a good one for for the listeners. Now hitting trivia from last week, and then trivia from this week. Um, we'll have to thank Matt for providing the trivia question this week. But anyway, trivia question from last week. It was when Walt Disney World opened in October of 71, 1971, That is, who gave the opening day speech? Roy O. Disney. Exactly, it is Roy Disney. You know, a lot of folks. Uh, just quickly would say Walt Disney, and then others would, would try to say maybe Walt Disney's wife or, or or someone else. But it was Roy Disney, and you can still see the speech uh, on YouTube. Obviously, there's video clips of it. And, you know, I have not stayed for the Kiss Goodnight, but at one point during the Kiss Goodnight, they did show a clip of the Roy Disney opening speech. So I think that's pretty neat, and, and that's something that, you know, you may get at your next trivia that – you go to uh, wherever you live and and, and partake. However, uh, moving over to the trivia question for this week, and again, this was provided to us by Matt, and this is a good one. What type of tree is the tree of life at Disney's Animal Kingdom? Uh, so we're looking for the type of tree that is a centerpiece for our, for the park we, we know and we love. You can answer this question via Twitter at podcast, uh, And if not... If you do not have Twitter, you can always email us at mendudewdw at gmail.com. Uh, one last reminder, the question is, what type of tree is the tree of life at Disney's Animal Kingdom? Yeah, so real quick, uh, I have a friend that grew up in Africa. Well, actually, Zimbabwe. And this was he listens to our podcast every week, and he said, Hey, Matt, I got a trivia question for you. He said, that's the trivia question. That's a lot of fun. If you guys have like ideas for us, please you know, shoot them our way, and we'll make sure that we put that on the podcast. Yep, and again, encourage everybody to send in your questions, send in your comments. We do love uh, love hearing from you guys. Anything else? That, I'm good. That's a wrap. 
as they would say. All right, that's a wrap. Well, let's let's close it out. That's all for this week. Please tune in next week for some more Disney magic. Look for us on the Twitter at Podcast. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments, please tweet us or email us at mendowdw at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help us out. Thank you so much for listening and giving us the most valuable thing you have, your time. We'll see you next week.